0: Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, you might want to consider becoming a premium subscriber. All you need to do is click on the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. There are three monthly programs or tiers to choose from. You gain access to commercial free listening, bonus episodes, and a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. All right. On this episode, the alien abduction phenomena and the motives of the aliens. What do they want? We're going to get into that with Karen Wilkinson. She's the author of a brand new book called Stolen Seed Evil Harvest. Karen's a regular writer, contributor to our good friend Ellie Marzulli's monthly newsletter, Politics, Prophecy and the Supernatural. She's a wife, mother, grandmother. She worked in the software industry for many years before leaving to raise her family. And for as long as she can remember, she's been abducted by non-human alien entities, possibly hundreds of times. She's seen many UAPs throughout her lifetime and suffered emotional and physical ailments and had surgeries due to the things that they did to her. Karen Wilkinson, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you?
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be on your show. Thank you.
0: So this is the question that everybody wants to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've talked to Probably close to, a, am guessing, ballparking at 100 uh, abductees um, th- through my radio and podcasting career. Some don't want to be called abductees. They claim, you know, they just say they're experiencers or contactees. Uh, and they have differing views in, on what they believe these beings want. What do you think they want?
1: You know, that's a really good question. I think they want a lot of different things. Um I think they want to utilize the population, the human and animal population for experimentation. I think that they are utilizing the human population for a breeding program, which I was a part of. Um, Beyond that, I think, you know, I do not feel that they're benevolent, the ones that are abducting people. Um, I'll say that right off the bat. (laughs) Um, Because the things that happened to me and that have happened to my friends and the people I've talked to certainly are not kind, uh, or loving or wonderful. It's not it's not love and light. That's not what's happening here.
0: And is there a can you sort of project out into the future? Like, is there an ultimate goal that they have uh, for this experimentation and and a hybrid program? What is the what is the end game?
1: You know, my take on the end game is that they are building an army of of uh, followers, of people, whether it's humans, whether it's hybrid beings. Um, from a biblical perspective, I, you know, Satan's outnumbered two to one. And the late Dr. Chuck Missler used to say he's building an army and that's what they're doing. And I 100% agree with him. That they're working to create hybrid beings like they did in Genesis 6 in the Bible and working to perfect that so that they are, you know, hard to tell from a regular human.
0: So this has been ongoing for you, um, what, for as long as you can remember?
1: Yes. As long as I can remember. My earliest memories are of being abducted, being a scared little kid, going to bed at night, wondering, you know, where can I hide? Is there anywhere I can hide? They can't find me. But there was nowhere I could hide. They always found me. And just being terrified every night to go to bed. Are they coming tonight? You know, and we didn't know what they were. You know, back then, I mean, I'm not as young as, as I was. But Back then, we didn't have the words to describe them we didn't know what they were there was no there were no tv shows there were no you know um social media we didn't have the internet that we have today so we didn't have any reference for what was happening those of us being taken back then and it was terrifying
0: was there a typical or is there a typical abduction scenario do you go through the window through the ceiling how does it happen
1: Absolutely. As a child um in the, at night the first thing that would happen is you would feel before they even showed up. You would just feel almost an evil presence. You'd feel just everything changed. Um if the we were in the country and the cicadas and the crickets were going they would stop. It would get quiet. You could just feel evil into the room. And um, then generally, usually, there would be a couple of the shorter gray aliens that would show up in the room and levitate you off the bed. And then you would go through a closed window or through the ceiling, I would. And for me, when you get close to the ceiling or the um, window, you feel this vibration in your body just picking up and it feels like you're in a just a million bazillion little pieces, right? And almost like your body's made out of ball bearings or something. And you're thinking, how am I going through this window? Or how am I going through the ceiling? And I can see every little detail of the ceiling or details of the screen on the other side of the window or wherever I happen to be going through at the time. And you know, as a small child, you don't you can't get up to the ceiling to see things like the little curls in there was a wallpaper on that ceiling. And you could see how it was a little bit um, browned and it was a little bit curled or I could see the bugs in the light fixture, you know, things that you can't see from the floor and then things in the house would just get further and further away. And at that point, generally, they would kind of black you out, turn you off as the normal, as people say. um, And you, the rest of it, you wouldn't remember, but often I was awake for the whole thing and remembered what they were doing.
0: Um, can you, can you tell me what they were doing? Um, you know, as much as you can comfortably relate to me?
1: Yes, absolutely. It was different. You know, every time would be different. And during different times of my life, it was different. When I was little, they did a lot of, you know, looking at me, checking my body out, my spine, taking blood or skin samples or things. I didn't know what they were. It looked like x-ray machines or needles. I still to this day have an issue with procedures I have done that (laughs) require big needles because... As a small child, that was just very horrifying, you know, to go through those things. Um, So all kinds of just experiments or, you know, uh, keeping watching me figuring out, you know, my genetics, things like that. I guess genetics, I wouldn't know that at that age, but, you know, taking blood samples and things like that. So they did a lot of experiments on me as a young child. And sometimes I would just be walking around or sitting with other children playing you know, some of the children were very messed up, didn't look human and weren't right, like kind of kind of hitting the sides of their heads or being very quiet or crying or or what have you.
0: And um, how much of, uh, of what was going on were your parents aware of?
1: None of it, because I was warned to, you know, for for two, one, first, we didn't have we didn't have to say who they were. I called them the little ones that came to get us. Um, or the ones that came to get us, depending. Um, and we were threatened and warned not to talk about it. They showed me screen memories of my family members being beheaded or being hurt or being killed. And when you're five or six years old, that is that is just beyond what your little psyche can handle, you know. And so you're quiet and you're compliant. And I learned to just be quiet, be compliant, and accept what was happening to me because I didn't want to hurt my family or my friends. I was terrified.
0: How did you function though after the, after an abduction experience? How do you just get up and go to school and and whatever? How
1: do you function at that age? Barely is the answer. Barely. Um, I was withdrawn at times. I was they found me when i was 5 or 6 years old huddled in the corner of a bathroom stall just rocking you know i just lost it i you know and then eventually your brain kind of takes over and compartmentalizes to the point that you just you put it somewhere else the same as anyone else who goes through a tragic situation you know when it's just so hard to handle you you find a way you're brain your body finds a way and I just completely separated it from my life and just if I could pretend it wasn't happening then I could pretend I was a normal kid so it was pretending I'm normal which I wasn't but I tried
0: when did you first start to share or confide in someone that this was happening to you
1: I didn't, not until recently, not until the last couple of years. I had had a a near-death experience that I like to call a near-life experience, and I write about that in the book, and it was an amazing experience, but it came with a lot of PTSD. And so I went through therapy for that PTSD, and what it actually did was help me deal with this and the lifetime of abductions, and I learned to be able to Just deal with it and be able to think about it and realized, I need to get this off. I need to get this off my chest. I need to get this out there. I need to, I don't know what I need to do with this, but I need to do something. And I had renewed my Christianity at that point in my faith, and I felt led to L.A., Marzuli. And so I we ended up in the same place at the same time, and I told him my story. He listened. I never thought anyone would listen. You know, it was the most freeing thing I have ever done and the most terrifying at the same time. I'm like, here I am telling the story I have bottled up my whole life. I was afraid to tell my husband. You, I tried to tell people once or twice. They just blew it off and laughed and thought I was, you're drunk or you're drinking or you're crazy or what are you talking about? Ha ha. And move along. And then I learned, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, but L.A. listened, and he understood what I was talking about, and he told me I wasn't alone. And my whole life, I couldn't even look at UFO movies or books or podcasts or YouTubes or anything because it was too triggering and too terrifying. Like the when Whitley Straver's book came out, I saw the cover of that book. I just about had a heart attack. I probably peed my pants a little. I'm just saying it was bad. Um and I, you know, I realized I have a problem. I got to figure out how to deal with this. And, um, you know, God really helped me deal with that. Um, and so after I talked to L.A., <laughs> that first kind of year and a half of that that first year was really scary, scary, difficult, knowing that I had shared that. I kept waiting for someone, something to happen, you know. Um, and then I started writing it. I felt led, the Holy Spirit led to write about it. And every day I would wake up in the morning and I would hear this, you know, the Holy Spirit leading me in my head, write. And every afternoon and every evening, write, write, write. And I'm like, what do I write, God? And God's was like, write the truth. That's easy. You know what to write. Just write your story. And he was right. I wrote this book in like less than three months because I just sat down and I just wrote what happened to me. And that was, you know, hard, emotionally difficult to ask my husband. He went through those ups and downs with me, but it was also also extremely cathartic. It helped me just continue to deal with it and to be able to talk about it. And I can talk about it in interviews and I'll be fine. After this, I'll go and cry, <laughs> pray, deal with, you know, because every time I talk about it, it's, it's hard and it's emotional.
0: You mentioned a near life experience. Can you explain what that was?
1: Sure. Absolutely. I was going in for one of the many surgeries I've had. I have all this crazy unusual bone growth and things that happen that they just can't explain. And, uh, but prior to surgery, I was in the operating room with a couple of IV ports in, but I was not hooked up to anything yet, not hooked up to IVs. Um, and the, um, um, the, uh, The woman came in to give me the sedative, the um and um she had a pocket full of syringes, which was really weird. And I only saw her and I saw her before that. She came into the pre-op room and then she came into the surgery room and she put this needle into my IV port, pushed what was supposed to be a sedative, and turned around and walked out of the room. Didn't say, Are you how's it feel? Are you okay? Nothing. She gave me a paralytic and i died on the table with no one around me and uh it was terrifying and it was like drowning but not being in water i couldn't breathe i couldn't move i couldn't signal for help um and uh it was that's where the ptsd therapy came in because that was just because i still had to have surgeries after that you know and i was like i can't keep i can't go back in there who was um, she do you know It was supposed to have been the, um, no, I don't know. I don't even know her name.
0: Was it an accident or did she try and kill you?
1: I always have assumed it was an accident and I prayed for her that if it was hard on her knowing that she did that to me, that, that, that didn't stay with her, you know, that she could get over that too. Um, she was an anesthesiologist, uh, but I never saw her again, and when i died i when i was on the table and i was dying a voice in my head as clear as me talking to you said it's okay you can let go now and just in the flash in the blink of an eye i was out of my body i could still see and hear everything but it was not my physical body and i was still me which was the craziest part of it that without my physical body my personality was still with me it was just so well and I could see in all the other rooms around it so I could see the doctor in the other room getting the stuff ready for the surgery and I saw the nurse realize that I was not breathing and run into that room and I saw him comes running out yelling bag her bag her and you know they put a, a bag thing over my face and and they um eventually intubated me and it got me breathing again on the machines, and um, that's when I didn't. That's when I, it goes black that I don't see anymore. Um, and they continued with the surgery, which they probably should have. You know, I don't. I don't know. I have no way of knowing if that was done on purpose or not. Um, who knows, you know, I know that I'm not popular for sharing this kind of information, I'll tell you that. Um, but um, I'm determined to do it because I really, I want it to be okay to talk about these things. I want to remove some of that stigma of you've been abducted, you've had these experiences, so many women I've talked to have had the exact same experiences I have. And, you know, there's comfort in that even though what happened was terrible and they need to be able to talk about it honestly and there's just no one for them to talk to and there's nowhere for them to go and it's not okay to talk about it I mean, what do you do go to your doctor and say hey this happened to me they're gonna call you crazy put you in a 72-hour hold you know whatever i mean so i want to be able to make it okay to talk about it and i want to talk about what's happening and that's why i wrote this book because i just can't find anyone who's talking about what's who's written about what's really happening to us, especially the women that are being abducted and the
0: men. We'll take a time out, Karen, back with more of our conversation, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, right here on Strange Planet. As you're staring up at the night sky, Ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Karen Wilkinson is the author of Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, regular writer, contributor to L.A. Marzuli's monthly newsletter, Politics, Prophecy, and Supernatural, and a a lifelong alien abductee. We've just been kind of talking around it about what happened to you you were raped by these beings
1: you write I, I was yes I was and that was really hard to write about and it's even harder to talk about um so some of that you'll have to excuse me if I can't talk about that as much but um it's very triggering for me and it's very hard as a victim of that but um The hardest part of it was that it was I was pregnant and I didn't know that it was from them, you know. I I was married at the time and and um, and uh, about three months along, I started to feel bad. I had you know my stomach hurt really bad, but I hadn't passed anything. I hadn't passed a baby or anything. And um, excuse me, and um, I went into the hospital. And uh, there was no heartbeat and they did an ultrasound and there was no baby and they did a DNC and there was no fetal tissue. And that doctor said to me, ma'am, are you sure you were pregnant? <laughs> i had been to the doctor, you know, we'd done all the things we would heard, the heartbeat, you know, all those things. So, And I didn't get to know if that was a boy or a girl. I didn't get to have a memorial service for that baby because it wasn't there. It was just gone. And that kept happening to me. Until I realized what was happening, that, you know, they were taking these babies back from me, and they weren't mine anyway. They were, you know, obviously something that they were utilizing me to create, and I realized they're taking them when they are, because your body knows when there's something wrong with a baby or a fetus and it will naturally reject that baby and you'll have a miscarriage. And I think at about that point is when the human body would realize this is not a human fetus and would reject it. And I think that's why they take them when they do. Do
0: you believe, I mean, do you think you've ever seen one of your children, um, yes. on a board, one of these crafts?
1: Oh, on board the craft? No, no. Um, I don't have any memory of seeing them on the craft. I'm trying to, you know, and I still have some memories that I just haven't quite (laughs) dealt with yet, but I have seen, they did show up um, one night in my room, and I write about this in the book too. And I knew they were my children. They looked enough like my children to be my children, but they were not, they were not okay. There was definitely something, just such an air of evil about them. Um, They weren't, they didn't want to, they didn't come to say, hey, we're your kids and we love you. You know, they came to try to lure me back, to get me back there. And they were, they were evil. They were just, you just could feel the evil emanating off of them. It was a horrifying, horrifying incident. And um and at first, you know, before that I thought I really wanna I really wanna see these kids. If they are alive, I wanna see them because they're half me. So maybe I can fix them, maybe I can help them, maybe they'll be okay. And I think I really do think God allowed me to see them, and allowed them to come into my my space so that I could see that they weren't there was nothing I could do. That there was no way I could help them.
0: Did they communicate with you?
1: um they it was like a telepathic communication you know in my head they just come with us come with us come with us that's all they said and um i said no no in jesus name no i am not coming with you and and i had to resist and it was hard because a part of me wanted to go with them but the other part of me knew that and i could feel it i just didn't feel anything good or anything kind i didn't see anything their eyes were black You know just vacuous just there was nothing there there was nothing there for me and nothing for me to save.
0: did they look human enough where they could i don't know fit in
1: no no No. they were too short too stocky too their eyes were just too dark and then the room was really dark and around them it was really dark you know that was like like there was a dark darkness around them darker than the rest of the room and um, it was hard to see the, all the details of them, but I could see that they looked, they had features like my children. And initially, I thought it was one of my kids coming to wake me up, but my kids are taller and older, and um, so I realized it wasn't them right away. And uh, but they still had features that looked like it. But no, they couldn't have passed for, for you or me or someone in public.
0: Is it part of their their agenda to I don't know refine this this as part of this hybrid uh, human et hybrid program are they trying do you think to make them more human so that they could fit in and walk among us
1: i absolutely think that that is the goal um yeah i when you say walk among us it makes me think of dr david jacobs book walking among us i picked up that book i tried to read it i got about two pages in and i couldn't it was just too triggering. Um, so I'd like to read it, but I just still haven't been able to. Um, but I absolutely believe that that's what they're doing. It goes back to, you know, Dr. Chuckessler saying they're, you know, trying to build an army that outnumbered. And this is, this is one of the ways to do it. And it's one of the ways to deceive people too, because, you know, if you can't tell the difference, then, you know, you're not going to know. And if they're there to deceive and to lie and to, you know, then that I think is the ultimate goal.
0: What is ectogenesis?
1: Oh, ectogenesis is something that we're doing today and and it's what I believe they do what I've seen them doing on um when I've been either in the ships or underground. um it's the ability to bring a fetus to completion outside of a natural womb. So it's sorry, that's okay. No, I'm I'm going outside. Of it. Ecto, yeah, ectogenesis is not that. I'm sorry, I'm I'm just so right now thinking about those kids, and my brain is just gone off into left field. Now, ectogenesis is the um is when um people believe we've been seeded outside of um from another species outside of our universe, outside of our world. So, um, sort of the ancient alien theory of 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 uh, beings coming in. You know, our elder space brethren coming in and seeding us, which I do not believe at all is the truth.
0: So the, um, you go back to, uh, to Genesis and you, you, do you believe these are like fallen angels?
1: I do. I absolutely do. I do. And I have some very strong feelings about the gray, uh, alien, entities as well that most people see and i've written a lot about that in the book and for la's newsletter um but yeah i do absolutely believe they are fallen angelic beings you know you had the the uh, original ones that fell in genesis 6 and then you know as we believe it says they continued on after that and um and i do believe this is what's still going on today
0: uh, another time out and uh back with more of my conversation with karen wilkinson don't go away truth will set you free 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 free. but first it will really take you off welcome back to richard Serrett's strange planet lifelong alien abductee karen wilkinson the author of stolen seed evil harvest i guess we shouldn't refer to them et as ets what do you call them Uh, well fallen angels would they be classified as interdimensionals sorry to say yeah you
1: know we're we were born for and designed for the earth the way that it is now but these entities you know god created them before us that is you can find out about that more in the bible and all kinds of extra biblical texts and ancient texts and scrolls and things um and these entities were created before us for a different a different type of um world and so they're not adhering to the laws of physics that we're adhering to they're not they're not made for earth the way we are so whether it's another dimension or another heavenly realm or what have you they are definitely made for a different place than where we are and there were you know angelic beings that chose to fall and chose to fall away from god so you have good angelic beings which i've had um instances with where i've had wonderful things where i've had angelic beings show up and help me and and after my near-death experience and then you know, you have these, these fallen, who are a hundred percent evil. There is nothing about them I can say that is benevolent at all.
0: Why why and I've I've spoken to many, many abductees who well they don't again, they don't like that word. They think these are our space brothers and uh, you know, they're they talk how loving these entities are in their show films about, you know, how we're destroying our planet and they're here to help us and so forth. How do we reconcile these two? I mean, is it a different, are they having a- encounters with the good angels or are they, is this part of, I don't know, Stockholm syndrome? What's going on here?
1: Yeah, I completely understand that because I was a part of that too for a while. You know, there's Stockholm syndrome going on, definitely. Um, I was shown the movies of the earth flooding and things like that. I was told that they were here to help. Um, And I was buying into that. But you can only buy into that so far because if they are these loving, benevolent, helpers who have come to help us why are they abducting little children why are they raping women why are they taking fetuses from someone's womb why are they draining the blood from the cattle why if you want to get your message across and you're so intelligent and so benevolent and so far advanced can't you find a better way than terrorizing children i mean honestly if you're looking to just find out more about our race and you're so intelligent can't you find a better way to do it but the horror that i've been through and i've listened to and read about and listened to people who've said how they feel they are benevolent and they are space brothers but you know not one of those people has been able to tell me has been able to explain the terrible things that have happened to them you know they still have the bad stuff that's happened why Why children? Why do they start so young? I, you know, I really think it's grooming. You start with a young child. And for me, it just became normal. It became part of my life. I learned how to deal with it. I learned how to live with it. I learned how to parrot the story they were telling me. I believed them. I thought, you know, I had this person with me from the time I was little. I call him my handler. Um, And other women I've talked to have had a person that was always with them as well. So I believe for some of us, we had handlers who were there helping to groom us to teach us how to um, parrot their story out to people, how to act, react, how to not be afraid, how to deal with it. They would tell us what was going to happen. It's okay. We're just doing this because blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. Rape is still rape. I'm sorry. Kidnapping is still kidnapping. You can't tell me you can go and kidnap your neighbor's child and say, well, I had a really good reason. I wanted to do some research. That's not going to fly. And it doesn't fly with them either. So I believe the children are groomed to be utilized later in life. You know, if they can't, interact with us and this goes back to a lot of things that Vicki Joy Anderson talks about where you need a lot of permissions to be able to come into someone's life and someone's space then if you've got a human proxy who's willing to do that for you wow that's great right but it's going to take a lot of programming to get someone to that point point. and there are a lot of people who do believe that and then it hurts my heart for them
0: you were taught to pilot a ufo talk to me about that
1: yeah, there, you know, when I was on board with the program and I was all gung ho with everything that they were selling, um, and the lies that they were telling, um, I was given an opportunity to fly one of these things and you're never alone. There's always another one with you. And, and I don't want to talk about it to the point that it makes it sound like it's this great fun thing. I don't want anyone to think that these encounters were fun and fantastical, just because they would pepper in a couple of fun and unique experiences to try to kind of make the other stuff easier to deal with, which is why I think they let me do that. You know, do I think I was ever in complete control? Probably not, because there was always another one there. But I did get to have that experience of sitting in the seat, feeling it just form around me. And you it, you do it through your thoughts and through just the slightest body movements. And I write about how that worked because, you know, I've, I've since heard other people talk about a similar experience. So, um, but I don't, I don't want to glamorize it at all.
0: As, As to why they allowed you to do that. Is that, would it be somewhat similar to let's say an abuser buying you a new dress once in a while?
1: Absolutely, yeah, and that's, that's absolutely what I was, yeah, trying to. What I would say is that, you know, if they give you a positive experience once in a while, then they think that's going to help make up for some of the bad experiences, as well as an abuser would, and that's the same kind of thing. And it's also, you know, you wonder, well, why, why aren't people talking about this more? Why doesn't someone? Why didn't I say something? Why didn't I do something? Well, again, it's it is like being in an abusive relationship. Um, you make excuses. Well, you know, they really do care about us. Well, they really do love us. Well, they really are trying to help us because that's what they say, but it's not what they do. I mean, I haven't seen any positive things come from them. We hear about nuclear missiles being shut down. Well, do we know if those were good? angelic beings or if they were the ones that are um, abducting people we don't they didn't come down and say hey we're the good guys and we just want you to know we're doing this and honestly i could see either side doing that because if you blow up this world they lose their playground and they lose and they lose their time because their time is kind of dependent on our time biblically speaking so all of that is intertwined
0: uh, it's been long believed that uh, the abduction phenomena is generational. Do you believe that? And is it possible? You Do you think your parents or your mother was also an abductee?
1: Um, I do believe it's generational. And I can't speak for the members of my family who are still alive, so I won't do that. But I will say, yes, there has been some generational abduction. And I believe it's done because once you find, I believe once they find a genetic materials that work for them, or breeding stock that works for them, they want to continue working with that. And it seems that their lifespans are much longer than ours. And if they are fallen angelic beings as I believe them to be, and as I feel that I know them to be, then they definitely have a much longer lifespan. I can tell you that the handler who was with me, um, and that's just a nice word for it because I don't want to say what I really think, um, he never seemed to age. And I aged quite a bit um did this eventually
0: stop or are you still experiencing abductions
1: yeah it stopped it stopped when i renewed my commitment to god and my faith and my christianity and it stopped when i realized that um, it's not just about saying, well, I'm a Christian and I'm praying or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, so they have to leave me alone. It's about understanding the authority in the name of Jesus. It's understanding that there is authority in that. And when you speak it with that authority that you've been given through through you from God, then, then it works. And then they can't touch you anymore. And not that they haven't tried, because they have come back and they have tried. And I have... Had crazy things happen since I've done this, but they can't, they can't hurt me and they can't take me and they can't touch me. They can get this close, but they can't, you know, they get right up my face, but they can't, they can't hurt me anymore. Uh,
0: Would you recite the Jesus
1: prayer or how do you stop them? I just call in the name of Jesus. and I say in the name of Jesus, you cannot touch me. And you cannot hurt me and you cannot have me. And I tell them to leave in the name of Jesus and rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Ellie likes to say rebuke first, ask questions later. hundred percent agree. You see something, you see a ship, you see something rebuke first, ask questions later.
0: And you see them they come into your room and they what they turn on their heels and they leave. Right now they
1: they don't come in anymore, but they'll come to the window. Um. Yeah. So they haven't. They can't come back in. They can't cross my threshold anymore. They've tried. They can't come across the threshold. So that is one thing I like to thank you, Vicky Joy Anderson, for all the wonderful things that she's written because that really helped me as well. Um. I met her right after I met L. A. Or I found her book through L. A. And we became friends. And she's got just amazing, amazing, helpful stuff in her book. It's just right. The, the idea the is the
0: threshold covenant.
1: Yes, absolutely. So So it's like
0: the modern vampire narrative that they can't come in unless you invite them. Yes.
1: And, you know, yeah, they're all working in the same rules under the same rule book. They're all, no matter what they are, what type of being you think, you know, that they are, they're all operating in the same, under the same rules and under the same restrictions. Um.
0: You mentioned um, you mentioned Roswell in '47, of course, which we're mm-hmm. so familiar with, and also right. the Grenada Treaty of 1954. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are those two? Well, first of all, what is the Grenada Treaty of '54, and what does it and Roswell have to do with alien abductions?
1: Right. Um, I bring those up because for a lot of people, the first time they heard about anything like this, the first thing they hear about is Roswell. I bring that up because it's one that for many years was, everyone said, Oh, it's a hoax. It's not true. And now we know the governor's come forward and said, Yes, these things, you know, things did happen. Well, they have not given us details. At least they've admitted that something happened. Um, I bring up the Granada treaty because I think it's important because it shows a There is a lot of information about it out there, a lot of it's been redacted, but it shows that at some point, someone, whether it was a government group or an offshoot of a government group or a private group, we don't know, someone made an agreement that um, with these entities, with these alien entities, that they could take People or animals for experimentation in exchange for technology or what have you. And look at what's happened with our technology. I mean, you don't go from the Gutenberg printing press to this. You know, we're the same people with the same brains and the same knowledge yet you know, that we were a thousand years ago. But look what's happened in the last 100, 200 years. That's crazy. That we had helped. You can't say we didn't. It doesn't make sense any other way. It wasn't this nice, slow, even progression of people learning. It was boom, there it is, and it all goes back to the same, you know, people and the same time frames and and the same things. And some of it goes back to that as well.
0: If um, someone was, if someone listening is experiencing what you experienced, abductions. What advice would you give them?
1: My advice would be to seek out your Bible, seek out, um, your faith and just pray. Pray that God will show you or that for a path to safety from this, because you don't have to put up with this anymore. No one has to put up with this. No one has to be taken. Anyone can stop this anyone can stop this and it's not about what whether you're in church every sunday and it's not about whether you know the bible and it's not about whether you know the priest or the preacher or this or that or the other thing it's nothing to do with that it has to do with that you're a human and that the authority of jesus means they have to stop taking you if you claim that so you have opportunities and there are groups out there there are support groups there are you know you can go to my website and send me a message and i will do my absolute best to get back to you if you do that, you can go to L.A. Marzulli's website. You can go to Vicki Joy Anderson's website. There are a lot of people, there are people like you who really do care and really want to help.
0: And uh, the links are in the episode notes, StolenSeedEvilHarvest.com, KarenWilkinsonAuthor.com. Karen is spelt with an I, K-A-R-I-N, net. but all the links are in the episode notes. Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. How do we get a copy?
1: Right now, you can go to lamarzuli.net L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Again, it'll be in the show notes. You can go there right now. It's still on a pre-sale price. So get it now because it's, up, um, it's on sale. And um, they are shipping now. The book is out. Um, and you can link to that through my website as well. Um, Karen KarenWilkinsonAuthor.com. You can find me on Facebook and you can find links through there as well. Um, and right now it's exclusively at EllieMarzulli.net.
0: Karen, great to meet you. Thank you so much for sharing this story. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Richard. I appreciate your time, taking the time to listen. And like I said, if anyone out there, if this is happening to you, just reach out. Just know you're not alone and you don't have to put up with this. If it's If it's terrorizing you or torturing you, we can help you stop it. So much. Thank you. A new Richard Sarrett's A Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.